0: hello and welcome to for what it's earth your nature environment climate change sustainability podcast which has a look at different topics we break them down and we ask you know is there anything that you and i can do to make a little bit of a difference you know save the planet just a little bit my name's Emma.
1: I'm Lloyd, and this week we are illuminating all oh. the issues around light pollution. Very well done. Very well done. Thank you very much. I can't think of any other puns. That might just be it for the whole episode.
0: <laughs> this was your idea, actually. Um, what what inspires uh, thinking what? about dark skies? Well, um, we talked no, no, about so noise like, pollution. What, what, like W-A-T-T? Oh, uh, very, sorry yeah, to well interrupt done.
1: your flow. You look very focused. I, will, well, I
0: Carry on. I I was just blown away by the... uh, It's very hard to correct someone's spelling in an audio-only medium, so those puns don't do very well if they're not written down. (laughs) But um, (laughs) well, I was going to say, we've done noise pollution, we've done air pollution, we've done pollution in myriad forms. Hadn't even thought about light pollution.
1: Nope. Nice one. No, me neither Till recently. But before we (laughs) dive in to light pollution, shall we talk about the planet-saving impactful things we've done this week
0: yeah go on then what one good thing have you done this week lloyd our our favoured segment
1: our, f- our favoured segment you're already grinning because you already know what i'm gonna say you've got because such it's, it's, a good it's in wondered, the background my listeners
0: video. give up this week i i wouldn't have you know lloyd lloyd is going to just absolutely smash us out of the park you've got such a good one good thing
1: oh bless you we um <laughs> we, we are expecting um a small child our own, I should say. <laughs> um,
0: you're a couple of months away from becoming a dad. Yeah, so we are in January. Zone.
1: Yeah, so um, children are expensive. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, kind of been well documented the last couple of years, I guess, that but the the impact of, of having children on, on the environment. And I think it's always something we need to be mindful of, um, especially as you go through this list of things you need to prepare yourself before your imminent arrival. Mm. Um, we got a second-hand pram because prams are really expensive. Who knew? They're so expensive, um, but yeah, you the, need the model, one you know. But you need one is the problem, and you can't not have one. I mean, you can, but your back's gonna hurt. Mm. And we live on a hill, mm. which is probably a reason not to get a pram. Anyway, this pram we're looking at is, uh, or, or we we were looking at is about twelve hundred pounds new.
0: That is so much money. We
1: got it for two hundred and thirty on Gumjury.
0: See, that is so good. And it's lovely. It's barely used. It's so much satisfying. One
1: child. Yeah, they only have like one child use it.
0: And I've seen it over your shoulder and it is a, it's like the spaceship of all prams. It is a beautiful pram. It looks functional. It looks in wonderfully good condition and you yeah. second handed it as well. So you, you've you used less resources, put less demand on the planet for things. I love it. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm so yeah. impressed. Well done and on your, bro- your thriftiness.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Brian didn't like my idea of uh, building a pram from scratch, so um, hmm. which is understandable. So, so, this is the next, be- next best.
0: Well, thing. as listeners will know, you and I are both in the middle of home renovation projects, and I've heard enough stories about your DIY. Some of them have been horribly impressive, some of them not so. And I'm not convinced I would trust you uh, to build a pram. I'm, I'm unpredictable.
1: I'm unpredictable. It can either be coming out like a Renaissance-level masterpiece, or it's like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer tries to build a birdhouse.
0: Mm. And is that the future you want? (laughs) Not really. We want the future with a secondhand spaceship, pram, But it looks brilliant. Well done. Thank you. Enough about
1: my carpentry skills. Um, What have you done this week? It
0: completely eclipses mine. I'm going to a wedding and I've bought, uh, well, a very long time ago, uh, bought a... Um, second-hand jumpsuit from... De- so here we go. We're on the second-hand train this week, both of us. Um, just like a jumpsuit to wear uh, to the wedding so that I haven't had to buy anything nice. new. Um, and I was planning on wearing it to multiple weddings this year because I think we need to normalise just like wearing stuff over and over again. There's some pressure as a girl to like be wearing new cool stuff all the time and it's just silly. Um, that, so, that is yeah. a really good
1: one because in, in terms of clothes, those sort of event pieces are the ones that have sort of the lowest wear to
0: that's the thing they sit in your wardrobe forever which is why i'm not opposed to well i'm never opposed to buying secondhand anyway but especially not opposed to buying secondhand like big fancy outfit pieces because chances are they have done exactly that they've been worn once by somebody and then they've been living in a wardrobe so you know that they're going to be in good condition so yeah that's that's mine condition I'm so busy, Um, I can't, you
1: know, (laughs) you can't finish full words, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Syllables, time, time is money. Um, Before we move on, uh, I just want to very quickly say that I was very impressed to find out. I mean, in in supermarkets, for a while we've known that you can recycle like plastic bags and like soft plastics and bread bags, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, My local co-op does it now. There's a little bin by the door. I don't know if that happens for everyone around the country or whether, because I don't know how co-ops are set up. I think they're a bit more I don't know, really but that's good child. to know. So might, yeah, might we have different. to go
0: all the way to the big Sainsbury's to Just do take ours. a look. But so if co-ops yeah. are starting to do them all over the place, then that's great. Everyone can
1: keep a lookout out for them. Just thought I'd say that one before we crack on. Oh,
0: well, while we're shouting out supermarkets, I went to uh, everyone's favourite, Lidl, to do my weekly shop this week. And they've got, you know, like pick yes. and mix, where you've got those great troughs of sweets and you've got those scoopers and bags.
1: Yes. Yeah, but they've got that with them. My, my childhood dream, but my germaphobe nightmare. Yep. <laughs>
0: I absolutely love pick and mix, but this was pick and mix, but with rainbow tomatoes. And so they were doing loose, like cherry tomatoes of assorted colors with like a pick and mix scooper. And I thought, hang on, this is the future of vegetables. That's and cool. it may just be a trial run. It may be a gimmick from Lidl, but I'm hoping that this is something that we start seeing in our supermarkets more often. Because let's be honest, that's, that's people fine. are not always going to be able to go to the lovely greengrocers. We're, yeah. we're going to continue to go to our Liddles and our Tesco's and our Sainsbury's. So this is great. I just got very excited about that. So there
1: we go. That's amazing. Well done. And for those of us that don't have the space to grow our own tomatoes, mm. scooping them with your bare hands is the next best thing. Oh no, you Not use the scooper. Hands, the scooper. You can't That's be going I mean.
0: in with your bare hands, Lloyd. That's how you get kicked out of Lidl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just hold me by the ankles and dunk me in. <laughs> anyway, light pollution.
0: Yeah, back, back on track. Back on track.
1: Let's talk about it.
0: Have you got a nice definition to kick us off?
1: Um, no.
0: <laughs> would you like one? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <I can't.
1: laughs> I'm just staring at my notes, like God. Do no, I, I don't.
0: <laughs> uh, we're recording late one evening. You may or may not be able to tell. Um, so, light pollution is apparently the inappropriate or excessive presence of artificial, man-made light in an environment that would otherwise be dark. Although, also, light pollution can occur in the day. Um, because there's different types of light pollution. So you can also get like kind of overly aggressive lights yeah. and lights that glare and lights that trespass as well, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. So it isn't actually always just at night. You can yeah, I mean, get, like, did... crazy billboards and stuff that are just like, whoa, back off your unwanted man-made light.
1: Like a rubbish Times Square. Um, yeah. Light pollution can usually be categorised into direct and indirect so direct light pollution sort of originates from the light source and comes at you all aggressive-like. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the hand motions. Indirect. Are aggressive, aggressive light.
1: And indirect light pollution is usually light that's diverted by reflective surfaces. So, like, off the streets and things. And it's um, it's actually this indirect stuff that gives us the sky glow. So, you know, like, if you're on a hill in yeah. the city or you're, like, driving into town or something, you just get this massive glow above mm. the city. That's usually caused by the indirect stuff. Um, so, not even necessarily street lighting pointing upwards. It's usually from street lighting hitting, like, the roads mm. and being scattered back off. Um, I
0: once saw street glow... In Norway, and thought I saw the Northern Lights, and then someone pointed <laughs> out that actually there was just a town over the other side of the mountains, and I was so disappointed, so disappointed. But that is exactly a uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin this in. That's a good anecdote to show how pervasive street glow can be because it wasn't. You know, you're not like a football stadium and they're blasting like lights up into the sky. This yep. was just a generic settlement,
1: like a town. If it makes you feel better. Yeah. I was reading a story, I can't remember when it was, it was, I don't know, probably like 20 years ago, um, there was an earthquake in, oh this is the worst story I can't remember any of the details, like San Francisco or something, um, and it, it like knocked out the power grid. Oh, we've and... read the same
0: story, this is such oh, a good did story. did you just know the details, yeah.
1: where it was and when? It was It was in California, I think, but I can't California, and do you know when?
0: Uh, like 1990 it, or something, was... 1997, somewhere there in the 1990s. I oh, was close enough.
1: Um, and all these people rang um, the emergency services saying there's mysterious clouds in the sky. Um, <laughs> and when they investigated, it was the Milky Way. They've
0: just never seen the Milky Way. People before. living in cities, they've never seen the Milky Way. Um, oh, at least I didn't do that. Mm, did I? D- oh, yeah. Does that, but it's that not does surprising. Make me feel a
1: bit less stupid. But actually, it's to not be surprising fair, that happens because. Have you ever seen the Milky than... Way? Yes. Where did you see it? Not in town, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> but this is the thing, I think unless we go somewhere specific to see the Milky Way, many of us in our lives do not ever see the Milky Way.
1: That's it. I remember when I first saw it and I, until I saw it, I didn't, it didn't occur to me that you could actually see it so clearly. I thought it was going to be some really faint, mm, you know. A dusting dusting uh, maybe like high collection of stars in places but it's so clear it's amazing when you mm. go to the right spots but it's not surprising that people don't see it more than 80 percent of the world population and in usa and europe that rises to 99 percent of the population live under light polluted skies mm. a third of humanity the milky way is hidden from at any one time mad isn't it yeah and it's getting worse so apparently light pollution um, is increasing at rates of more than until I'm reading this off a sheet and not from my memory. Light pollution is increasing at rates of more than forty percent in the developing world. And shoot, I haven't got the rest of that stat. <laughs> I've also got forty percent in the developing world. In the
0: I've got a similar stat. Shall I swoop in and stats a? Yeah. It's honestly honestly it's like you're it's like you're reading my notes page. <laughs> do it
1: and make it really seamless. So,
0: can you tell we don't discuss our findings before we uh, before we do the we just turn up and see what each other thought was interesting
1: that week. I literally just print out articles and read them for the first time during the podcast. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh I surprised myself This well, Paragraph.
0: Will do, yeah. So there was some there was some research done by our lovely alumni at Exeter University in uh, this year it was published. And they said that actually light pollution has increased in the last twenty five years uh, by forty nine percent globally. Now that is quite a lot. Now that is a scary stat of its own, but That's a scary stat. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap in, I'm gonna hone down on this. This was taken from what satellites are able to observe of light emissions. But satellites do not take into account blue light. And yes. we'll probably go into a lot more stuff about blue light, but one of the things that is quite prominent when we're talking about light pollution as an issue is that we've started switching streetlights basically from sodium vapour lighting, which is very yellow and emits a yellow light to LED lighting, which emits white light, which has got all the spectrum, but it particularly has quite a lot of blue light in it. We'll slide back to that in a bit. But essentially what this means is there is even more light being bounced down and the satellites aren't picking up all of the blue light. So Exeter University have gone, right, well, we can't pick it up, but we're imagining, well, you know, more technical now, They've done some yeah. maths but actually it could be more like 270% increase globally and up to 400% increase in light pollution in certain regions, so really dense cities. That's a lot, man. That is a lot yes. in 25 years.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely mad. I mean, so we're talking only really about direct versus indirect light pollution. So the light that hits like a road surface or the surface of a water body from direct light pollution can reach around a thousand times brighter than a clear full moon night wow and if you're talking about indirect um so the sort of sky glow that you're getting and all the scatter um you're getting hundreds of times higher than natural luminance that's mad isn't it
0: and if you've ever gone camping out somewhere where you've managed to avoid the majority of anthropogenic you know light pollution and it's been a full moon a full moon is bright Yes. You can see, yeah, you it can is. see what's yeah, going yeah, yeah. on. Animals are adapted to hunt with the with moon, you know, yeah, and live their lives. Um, we're really dialing that
1: up. So it's How no many surprise, of us sleep really. is a miracle. Yeah, I know. It's uh, blackout blinds all the way. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no surprise that um, not only do you get impacts on human well-being. So we mentioned not being able to see the stars. For me, that is an impact on human well-being um, and uh, sleep deprivation. And uh, there have been all sorts of studies in the last... Uh, decade or so about blue light Mm. and how that can affect us um a lot of us have now got blue light filters on our laptops and our phones Mm. for exactly that reason um but think about the animals
0: always comes back to nature here
1: so it impacts um gosh if you just do a little search on your um search engine of choice many are available you can go for a job at the bbc um
0: (laughs) We're not currently sponsored by a search engine, but if we were, it would be Ecosia, who plant trees with every search.
1: I like it. A little plug for Ecosia. Um, So, I mean, light pollution has been linked to effects in um, seabirds, for example, because seabirds are highly attracted to artificial light. um, And there have been documented strikes against light sources. Um, It impacts hunting, migration, uh, mating, uh, feeding. Ability to hide from prey. Um, same goes in insects, in um, bats. The effect of like how well bats can capture prey because they normally do so in the dark and they're very good at it because they use echolocation and mm. other things not, can't necessarily... Um, oh, they've got super sensitive eyes. So don't, yeah, exactly. don't
0: tend to hang out in the light.
1: So it yeah, reduces exactly. their feeding
0: times and feeding areas and locations. Yeah.
1: Yes, what you said.
0: Yeah do you want some more on bats i've got another bat a yeah, bat fact do you bats? know what bats are quite cool we should do uh, an in-depth look at bats one day i think they'd probably be more interesting than we reckon so actually we don't tend to get it so much in the uk but there are a lot of types of bats in like south and central america who are actually vital for pollination they feed on flowers um very, very cool. I actually first learned this at Bristol Botanical Gardens. Uh, shout out to them. I got to hang out with a scientist who was working on bats and bat pollinator dynamics. And he showed me this really cool cactus, which had a massive red flower. And essentially, the shape of the red flower was great for a bat to kind of creep into, get its nectar, pollinate the flower, crack on. Um, yeah, really, so cool. really cool. But if you're messing with where and how a bat, will feed you'll also mess with things like the pollination dynamics that are happening in a certain you know area Um, and it's the same with moths because actually loads of flowers are night pollinated we just don't know as much about them because it's really hard to do uh, studies on things when it's dark uh, without turning the lights on and trying to work out what they're doing but actually there are so many species of moth and so many species of flower that rely on moths and are night flying things uh, that yeah. if we start flooding all of our all of our streets, all of our like pathways, all of our hedgerows with light, uh, it can really confuse you know moth predator, not moth predator. Um, it can really confuse moth feeding and breeding patterns and yeah. systems. And yeah,
1: well, it's interesting that you're talking about the effect of plants because you're talking about an indirect effect. Ooh. But I was really interested to find, and this never occurred to me actually, because I saw sort of, I already knew that light pollution had an effect on all sorts of organisms, whether they're on land, in the air, or in the water. Mm -hmm. But um, plants can be directly affected by changes in light cycles. When you think about it, they've had millions and millions of years of evolution of quite stable light regimes Mm -hmm. of darkness and light. So, uh, so many different plants have been found to be sensitive to artificial light. Um, It can affect their flowering, how well they grow. Um, so some flowering plants flower sooner, some don't flower at all. The bud burst, it's called, in, in urban trees changes in timing depending on how bright the surrounding light is. And, and day-to-day plants kind of build up um, a, a level of damage by doing all these uh, photosynthetic reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long they get of darkness can be really crucial for how long they get to repair from these stresses in their normal day jobs. Um
0: yeah, it's, it's amazing. And and it also can kind of reconfigure what season they think they're in or what they're coming to. Because yeah. um, in if we're going to anthropomorphize trees, trees will be expecting days to shorten to cue to them that it is winter. And that cue of getting less light hours per day tells it basically to shift away from growing and away from creating loads of sugars to kind of instead into hunkering down mode getting ready to get through the winter and not freeze uh, and not have all of their new growth uh, be damaged. Um, So in effect, if it's still in that growing phase because it thinks that it's still experiencing, or it is still experiencing quite a lot more light than it would naturally be doing at that time of year, it might not actually be ready to hang out in winter uh, and can be quite damaging in terms of like the long-term life cycle of a tree. I saw this crazy picture of a tree actually that was like next to a street light. And it was autumn, and it had dropped all of its leaves on the side that was like away from a streetlight, but on the side that was next to the streetlight, it had kept all of them in their autumnal, reddy, browny colours.
1: Mm. It's very, very direct and obvious.
0: It was a good image. It was a good image to illustrate what is potentially happening. And there were a couple of case studies of um, like trees which were more productive in terms of like leaf size. And fruiting on the sides that were exposed to streetlights, because it's not—it's it, not like streetlights can really stimulate full-on photosynthesis overnight. They're not quite at that level, but they do enough to trigger reactions that create physiological changes. Yeah, that can still be like measured and observed.
1: It's fascinating how wide-reaching the implications are. Actually, I didn't realize that we started doing all this research. Um, mm. I remember you telling me you wanted to tell me a story about moths.
0: Of course, you've got a few more mothy bits, yeah. Um, this was so I was looking into like whether anyone was a winner in terms of, <laughs> and the answer is no. Apart from okay, well the, the first one is that spiders. Some spiders are very happy living in the light, so they will build things around their their webs around streetlights because it attracts more flying creatures and insects. But what's going on under the streetlight is back on the moth train. Some researchers were having a look at basically how many moths and caterpillars they could find in hedgerows, uh, in and around streetlights, and those without streetlights and areas of grassland miles away. And obviously, I think you can all probably guess, they found less moths and less caterpillars around the streetlights. Mm. And they found much more of them in hedgerows and in grassland that were not bothered by our light sources. But what they did find, which is really interesting, was the, the moth caterpillars that they did find around streetlights were, like, hefty. They were chunky. These were some hunky moth caterpillars. And you might think, hey, maybe they're doing really well. Maybe they're, like, they're thriving under there. Even though there's much less of them, they're all big boys. Yeah. But actually what they said was it's more likely to be an indicator of um, of stress and they're really trying to speed up their metamorphosis so that they can fly away from the environment in which they're not, they're right. not happy. Oh, right. Mm.
1: So that could be affecting their whole whole life cycle.
0: Entire life cycle, entire population. And then, of course, like as soon as you throw one species like breeding and metamorphosis timings, it yeah. has such a knock-on effect on anything it's else. Because you were talking about pollination earlier as well, area. weren't you? Yeah, so if, if they're mothing... Uh, at the wrong time. At the wrong time, and their flowers that they would normally predate on are not in bloom at that time they're buggered and then the flowers yeah. also don't get pollinated and we get this phenological mismatch and everything goes wrong and we should all just turn off the street lights basically uh, no I, just to be sure i don't <laughs> believe that we should turn off the street because it's this is right this is the thing that i struggle with this one it's it's also a health and safety yeah issue and there is no way I'm ever going to campaign for turning off streetlights. No, exactly. Particularly not in the current climate
1: But as a woman. But there are... You know, I completely agree with you that there's a real... It's so difficult because this is right at the crux of um, the balance between what's good for people and what's good for wildlife. And there is a balance hmm. to be struck. And I think it can be struck. But it's a lot... It's funny because... At the, on the one hand, light pollution is the easiest source of pollution we can fix. We just turn the lights off and straight away, we're back then to normal. And the
0: norm. purge happens. Women don't go outside happens. anymore. Yeah,
1: exactly. But, but uh, then it's also the one with yeah, the... Yeah,
0: no, it's completely that. It's so... hard
1: Because with sound pollution, I mean, it's a bit harder to turn off sound, but there's no benefit to have to anything for having all that sound around, for example. The same mm. with chemical pollutants. There's no benefit for any... like It's, it's a no. lose-lose all across the board. But for light, it's something that... It's polluted, but one Actually we kind of need But genuine use. But there yeah, are ways real... that we can balance that. We'll get onto that later, I think, as well. But yeah, I mean, there
0: are ways that we can make our light yeah
1: better. for sure. But um, when you talk about that study with the moths, uh, mm-hmm. it's quite interesting that there's that's even worse for LED lights because they found it, it's, it's, it's yeah. still worse under like the old sodium orangey lights, mm-hmm. but it's even worse under the LED lights by the road. Um, yeah. Which poses another problem because we're rapidly rolling out LED lights, both indoors and outdoors. Because fantastic, they're cost saving; they reduce our carbon emissions. They don't give off unnecessary heat as a byproduct. They're mm. they're honestly fantastic, except um, except
0: except they throw out more wavelengths of light and yeah. cause even more mess in that regard yeah the the original leds were just like they're they're installing them everywhere because it's the eco option and now there's yeah and now there's a slightly non-eco knock-on effect yes yeah
1: i mean the original leds when they were first produced were either red or blue or green but now we've got these fantastic high power white leds Mm. um if you've had a bmw driver come at you on the other side of the road you know exactly what i'm talking about because Probably they, they need red. to fix their beam level.
0: Um, yeah. I would argue that <laughs> that is trespassing light pollution. <laughs>
1: yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> Citizens arrest. Um, but yeah, these these white ones give off a lot of blue and a lot, a lot of white light. And as we were saying earlier, blue light especially has been linked to a lot of human health problems and mm. uh, more directly impacts animals. And that generally has a greater impact because it's closer to sunlight. So... Hence, animals get more mm. confused.
0: Yeah, essentially, we're used to only getting blue light in the sun, so our body's, rea- our brain's reaction to seeing blue light is great. It's daytime. I'm awake, and all of the things that happen when I'm awake should yeah. now happen in my body. So, particularly when, I mean, the conversation a lot has been well, stop looking at your phone now before bed because your phone's giving you blue light, and then that's messing with your ability to sleep. And if it's if it's messing with our ability to sleep, what do we think is happening? to all of the other creatures yeah. that have also evolved to
1: live on, the You don't understand what it's, lights are. Yeah, it's, it, it's, all, it's all exactly the same problem. Um, as a counter to that, or, or in a similar vein to that moth study, I was reading one about a road in Worcestershire um, a couple of years ago. And so there's been some research that bats avoid white light. They try to avoid those areas lit by white light, as we were saying. But this research in uh, Worcestershire, they trialled um, bat-friendly red lighting okay because the red wavelength was fine they don't care about that it's you know they um, generally don't even really well I'm not sure if they don't see the red wavelength or if they're just not it doesn't cause any chemical mm. change in their bodies in the same way
0: yeah we use red light torches quite often when we try and search for nocturnal wildlife don't we
1: uh, These quite a lot um, by, by astronomers when you're checking like star charts and things because you don't want to give up your night blindness and red light doesn't do that it doesn't have that same glare um, mm. which is really interesting. So that straight away, there are ways we can do it more sensibly based on context and circumstance and area because at the same time as red lighting is great for bats or better for bats...
0: I'm not walking down a street no, that... lit by red light. Exactly. No way in... Ha- yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the, the thing. It's, it's absolutely, it absolutely has to be context-led, Context, context led, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and obviously there I are mean? some plants where uh, red street lighting is worse for them than other colours of street lighting. So... It's a delicate balance
0: Mm.
1: with humans, obviously thrown uh, very rightly into the mix. Um,
0: One of the pros I read for LED lighting, again, purely on a human context, was that because it produces white light, it means much greater visibility for us, for humans, particularly as we get older in our vision at night. So particularly if we're talking about like driving, it helps we get much better peripheral vision Mm. with the LED lighting than we did with the old school street lighting. So there's another, there's another kind of safety tick Interesting. in the favour of LED lights, which again is going to make it even harder to... I, I mean, I, I, like you said, I don't want to get rid of LED lighting at all. That's not, that's not where we're at. We're trying to minimise the impact of LED lighting because it feels like almost every city, every street at the moment is installing LED lighting.
1: Yeah, and, and again, like I said, you can completely understand... Why? Um, especially like blue, blue slash white LEDs are mm. some of the most efficient light sources you can get yeah. in terms of how they convert electricity to light. But then, there are a lot of places that are retrofitting their outdoor lights to use LEDs, but they're using like very high-powered bulbs. So like, if if anyone understands electricity, four thousand kelvins. I don't really understand what that means. Sounds like a lot. Mm. but that apparently can result in two and a half times increase in light pollution on the flip yeah. side so
0: you do have greater ability to make the light like directional though don't you with leds which is something that's which not is, taken advantage of
1: um yeah it, so it making seems sure that like a we're lot using
0: of... less and all of this is pointing at the street as opposed to, yeah. to try and minimize the amount that's going bouncing back up or yeah. ricocheting off of people's windows and ending up contributing to
1: yeah, nice which is glow. what it should be, but by the sounds nice of glow. some of the research I was doing, it seems like a lot of, uh, not just individual people, but uh, businesses and councils and government bodies install what, is it, what are billed as dark sky friendly lighting, but Ooh. they don't install them properly. Oh, right. So whether that's a case of <laughs> getting the brightness right or the direction or what surfaces you're projecting over. So obviously if it's a particularly effective surface... It, you know, mm. it can make it worse. Um, but there are some tips. Yes. So, friends of the Lake District, they sound like Hello. a great bunch of people. For outdoor lights, they say you should angle your lights downward, below the horizontal. So it's all going... Tick. Great. That makes Absolutely. sense. Lamps of 500 lumens or less are appropriate for most things. I don't know how much lumen is, but we can look into that. We will trust friends of the district. <laughs> point lights only the direction that's needed, so you don't needlessly need to point it towards your neighbours or wildlife. Um, no, just just that's what exactly one way exactly annoy your neighbours also. You need it. Yeah, switch them off when they're not needed. You can. The great thing about LEDs is that you can dim them for a start. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can dim other lights depending on you know what you get, but. LEDs you can dim if you get the right ones. I think you've got to look for like a seven pronged connector or something. Um, look at you. I LED know. light bulb salesman of the year over here. That's what um, trying to avoid your regular work does. You just start cramming about <laughs> LEDs. Um, <laughs> but you can also use proximity sensors if you're fancy enough. Um, Definitely. Mm. A lot of them do come with proximity Like You can buy specific outdoor lights that would come with proximity sensors um so in that vein decide why you're installing these outdoor lights is it for safety so you can see where you're going is it for security if it's for safety Mm -hmm. yeah consider proximity sensors that are only going to come on when you need them if it's for security maybe consider dimmer ones or think about using um red based lights or infrared cameras instead
0: yeah that's the thing if if you're turning if the lights are motion sensor because they're a deterrent Fair enough. A blinding light is going to freak out
1: whoever's trying to potentially break yeah, in. But again, brook- proximity sensors can actually but, do that pretty well.
0: Yeah, but also, like you said, if you were instead going to lean towards like a CCTV system, yep, you could still gather all the information required. You can still be alerted prior to or during yes uh, something. Um, and you know, I, I guess you'd have all of the evidence you need to go to the police, but without necessarily. I mean, you know, personal choice, isn't it? Yep. Protect, protect your home how you will, but... Exactly. Mm.
1: Um, they say you should light the appropriate illuminance only, which, uh, again, ties into um, like dimmer switches and things like that. Um, Install at the lowest possible height. So mm-hmm. even if it's angled downwards, if it's too high, then it's still going to spread more widely. That's uh, true. It's lower. Um, and try and avoid bright white lights and cooler temperature LEDs. So... The the temp the temperature of the light is measured in kelvins apparently, so if you use LEDs with a temperature of three thousand kelvins or lower, this should reduce glare and it should less emulate the daylight. Okie dokie. Thank nice. Thank you, friends of the Lake District. Thank you very much. So um, I, have a,
0: I have a couple more to add. Do you? Oh, yeah, sorry. no, I
1: say, And if you're um, looking at buying outdoor lights um i'll sell you some no um the turns up the the pram is actually just full of led lights so i hear you want to illuminate um (laughs) the international dark sky association has a really good guide we'll uh look to put a link under in the the podcast description um sidebar
0: what a cool name international
1: dark sky association i know it sounds really sinister doesn't it but it's for a very good cause so they're all you know it's obviously association that likes dark skies for both humans and animals um they've got a really good visual guide on what outdoor lighting should look like or the, the differences between that the, they say acceptable and unacceptable i would say uh more light polluting and less light polluting um so yeah we'll, we'll try and post that as well
0: you can also chill out with your own lighting inside your home even simple things like Closing your curtains when you've got your lights on in the evenings. A stops peeping toms if you've got nearby neighbours. All the time. And B just stops your light spilling out out into your garden. Um, so if you've got things like hedgehogs and stuff and, and moths hanging out in your garden, yes, you can good point. Kind of leave them to it. You can also have a chat to your local MP or your council about the lighting that's going on in your town or your region. Goes both ways. Um, if we circle back to the safety issue, if there are any areas which you think are not sufficiently lit, you can raise that. But also, if you think there are areas that are over. Overly lit, um, or you would like them lit in a different way. You can have those discussions with the decision makers in your town. Make your voice, make your voice known. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun one: Christmas is coming
1: up. That is fun.
0: Do you need to drown your home in fairy lights?
1: Yes. Probably
0: not. Sorry, no,
1: no, we don't. We don't.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not being mega Scrooge here because I, I do genuinely love Christmas. Um, but this weird competitive fascination with putting every single light that we can possibly get our hands on on amazon outside in our gardens to show that we're more festive than our neighbors or something i don't really i don't really get i don't really subscribe to that side of things even though no. i do like the odd fairy light uh, at home or in a restaurant or something it can
1: be quite nice like in the depth of winter to like see some you know warming lights and things but um i completely agree that right. yeah, it's do we don't, need to blow up war, santa
0: please. Yeah. No. Well that's that's the thing and if you if you are keen to put fairy lights outside your house to be a bit more festive than I'm apparently going to be um you know pick pick some nice soft yellow warm lights yeah you warm don't need colours. to go for the these strange bright blue and green Which aren't festive at all. twinkly things i don't really get yeah don't really get those um and one last one that i heard i thought like you know if you if you walk through town so i live in bath if you walk through bath at night you are still confronted with all of the shops and offices in town, even though nobody's in town, they're all lit up like a Christmas tree. And it, I feel like I'm being advertised to at all times. Every, every street, every business is like, we're closed, but have a look at everything that we do. And I get that on some level, it can be a burglar deterrent because you don't look like a dusty kind of shop that someone can maybe break into. But do we need to have every storefront and every office building that nobody is in in the dead of night lit up. I mean, no, surely we
1: don't. Exactly, so and again, it... proximity sensors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There we go. Uh,
0: that would so probably scare me off if more. If you manage a building,
1: if a light was like, you in the midst of your, you know, my burglary, dilly dallying, sinister jobs.
0: Yeah. So if you, yeah, I mean, if you manage building, or you know someone that manages building, or you can speak to other people in your office uh, or business about whether you really need to be putting those lights on at night, and also it comes from an economic point of view as well. You can probably save a lot of money by not having your lights on all night. So maybe use that, use that arm. You know, put all your money into Instagram advertising like everyone
1: else. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: So that's those, are, those yeah. are my top tips
1: and for light pollution. You'll be happy to know there is now in the UK an all-parliamentary group for dark skies. Is there? Uh, yes, yeah. so there's a group in the, in the UK Parliament dedicated to reducing light pollution. Um, and their aim is to put the to put light pollution on a par with noise pollution. Not in terms of severity of the problem, but in terms of how much we regulate it and recognise it as a problem. Mm. Um, it's always good to have
0: groups championing issues. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very nice.
1: And there are lots of dark sky groups um, all about, which is very lovely to see. Um, particularly in relation to like area of natural beauties and mm. like natural parks, that sort of thing. Going um, to see the Milky Way. Going to see the Milky
0: Way. Brilliant. Well, on that, you can get more from us uh, on our on our social media, can't you? We're on Twitter yes. at what earthpod and we're on Instagram and Facebook at for what it's yeah, at yeah. podcast.
1: And send course. us your emojis and your, your, your gifts.
0: And send us your one good things that you've done this week. I didn't yes. manage to get on Instagram this week before recording to ask people what one thing they because you've been done. in Scotland
1: having a great time.
0: I've been on holiday. Yep. Um, How dare you? I didn't fly anywhere this year for my holiday. Does that count as my one good thing?
1: That does. I think that's fantastic.
0: Lovely. Instead, I bought a very diesel chugging van and lived in a camper for two weeks. No, it's lush, thanks. But um, yes, so I didn't remember or have time or really want to disturb my holiday to ask everyone on Instagram what they had been doing this week. So we haven't given anyone a shout out. So double up for next episode. Um, let yep. us know what one good thing you've been doing and we'll give you a good shout a next out. And you've had an extra two weeks. They have to ideas. be
1: really, really good. Yeah, I'm exactly. Kidding. Small is fine.
0: <laughs> Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> every little helps.
1: And of course, um, everything we say and um, do, the views we express... Um, within this podcast not necessarily in general life in this podcast um, are our own not that of our respective employers just us we thank them uh, fantastic I think that's everything we've got to say
0: I think it might be yeah Well, um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks then guys thanks for listening make sure you're subscribed and give us five stars and yeah. all the all the stuff that the professional podcasters uh, tell you to
1: do at the end of their podcasts yeah so uh, see you next week goodbye and turn the lights off on your way out
0: bye